You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey guys, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Well, I am going to do something that we visited a little bit in a previous podcast. I am, I think it's episode number seven, where we talked about studying scripture. And I just, as you probably gleaned from that episode, this is something I get really geeked out about. I love studying scripture. I love it so much. And I so want and desire with all my heart, my prayer is that women listening to this will just want to know their Bibles more, that you will want to study the word more for yourself. And so I want to be able to give you guys as many tools and as many things as I can think of in order to help you do that. And I I described to you guys last time that I'm a learner. And I, I think that is one of the things that always just keeps me going in with scripture, because it doesn't matter how many times you've read a passage, I guarantee you there's just going to be something else there. So I made reference the last time to a three-part, or as some people might number it, four-part way in which I kind of map out how I'm going to study scripture. Again, major disclaimer, because guys, I'm not an expert. I am giving you just tools as a Bible, a fellow Bible studier. We're doing this together. And that is model that I do, that my family does, that we kind of walked through just a little bit before, I told you that the four areas are observation, interpretation, application, and actualization. And so what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to look at one of those things. Because like I said, I really want to help you guys be able to study scripture deeper, more better in any way that we can, because it's just that good. And the Lord has so many things to show us about himself. There'll be a couple things that I'm going to probably reiterate that you heard in the last podcast, but I just think we need those reminders. And I, you know, I got to put the first one out there that we need to remember that the Bible is not a book about us. It is a book about God. It is a book about Jesus is just beautifully woven through all of scripture. So when we are studying scripture, we're learning, we're knowing the character of God. That's what we're trying to do. And that is where we want to be, because as image bearers of Christ, as image bearers of God, we want to be able to reflect the image of God. And we need to know who he is. We need to know the things that delight him. So again, that is just sort of why I feel this is just so important, right? So like I mentioned before, those four areas, you know, it's observation, interpretation, application, actualization. I'm going to break these up into probably three different podcasts, and we're going to kind of sprinkle them out. And this first one, we're just going to tackle observation. And I feel like all of these just go so well into our charge, really, that's given to us in 2 Timothy 2.15, when he says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that rightly part is a good word to me. And then at the same time, a challenging and kind of like a, it's a slow me up, like, ooh, okay. I want to do this right. And part of the charge to us in being able to divide scripture rightly is 
to be able to employ some really good Bible study so that we can make sure the verses that we're reading, the words that we're reading, are we're taking them in context and we're not just trying to apply them to some kind of blanket problem that we're having, but we want to really know what God's trying to say to us there. So because before you ever start any kind of Bible study, before your quiet time of the morning, wherever you're going to set aside that time that you're going to get into the Word, we need to remember to start in prayer. I find this one so funny that it seems that that's the simplest thing to do. And yet, I confess, sometimes it's a thing I forget. Like I'll start reading the Word and then I start to think about the things I want, That thinking about praying. I really need to flip that. I do love that when you're reading the word, I I find that even as you're finding scriptures, they just kind of pop out and maybe there's even a scripture that you start praying, which I think is, is a really powerful thing when we talked about that a little bit when we talked about prayer. But praying before we start, the reason I think that is so important, and maybe you guys can sympathize with me in this, but I don't feel smart enough to know all the things in scripture. I mean, guys, there's been people, there's been theologians and experts and scholars that have studied the words of this book for a millennia. I mean, seriously. And they still peel things back. They still like, you know, are just still digging in. So that's why I feel I need to come in prayer before we even start. And I need to go to James 1.5 where it reminds us that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Okay, I need that. I need to just come straight out of the gate before I even crack open the word. I need to start there, and I need to pray, and I need to ask God for wisdom for the things I'm reading. Help me to discern. Help me to see your word rightly. Asking the Spirit to show us things in his word. And the thing that I like also, James, later in that chapter, it talks about, but when you ask, believe and don't doubt. And I think that's so important for us to go, we're not just praying just something to check a box in order to then start our Bible study, but actually like really believing that we are praying, asking the Spirit to show us what He has for us in His Word. And I think if you do that, you're just going to find so many things in Scripture that just come alive to you so much more that impact you in such a really cool way. So that's the first thing I think we always want to do in any layer of these uh, parts of, of studying scripture is we want to start with prayer. The other thing that I want to recommend just before we dive into the whole piece of observation is to recommend that if you're starting a new book or if you're starting a passage even, maybe you're not doing a whole full book, but you're just even doing a, a section of scripture. But if you can read the whole book the first time or the passage in one sitting, and this is uh, sometimes hard, depending on what you're doing. If you're doing one of the smaller, you know, Paul's epistles or something, that is, those are short books. They really don't take that long. If you're going to tackle that you really want to do a deep study on Genesis, you're going to need some time to read that one in one sitting. But I really feel like you can see more of the story holistically. And you heard me say that on the last podcast too, of it's really important to view scripture as part of like a book, to view it as part of a whole. It is one big story. And so I think we need to be careful when we take little pieces out of that context. Now, we're going to talk about observation where we're going to be looking very specifically at little pieces of scripture, which is good, but don't neglect the part where you're just looking at the big picture. So if you're tackling Philippians or Colossians, 
See if you can just sit there and just read the whole thing. If you can find, and I, I do not have very many of these, but I have seen them in a couple. I think we even have some at our church where they are the book of the Bible with no chapter breaks. None of the like uninspired headings, if you will. Now, those headings are helpful. I'm not dogging those. I think that, you know, there is great value to being able to be able to find exactly where a certain section in Genesis is. And those numbers and all those things are really helpful. But when you are doing a study on a book, it's so interesting to see the ways when you take all those numbers out and you take all those headings out and you just read it as a story. It is really a cool thing. So reading it that way gives you just a chance to see how that text plays out without some of those things that we're used to seeing. I can't tell you how many times I've been reading a chapter and even our pastor is really good about bringing things up of like, you know, hey, you know what, this chapter break probably is doing a disservice to the text. Sometimes reading straight through those chapter breaks, because then you're, you're going to pick up on a whole lot more context, perhaps of what the writer was saying. So those books that have the scripture where you can just read it all together without any of those marks can be really helpful, particularly with what we're going to talk about in this podcast is observation. Because the key to observation in that first step of this process in studying scripture is just to observe, okay? It is just your time to ask all kinds of questions, okay? You get to write a whole bunch of notes out. Okay, I'm going to give you some hints at the end. I'm getting ahead of myself, but on how you can do that. And and we've made reference to some of these before. But the observation is just your first glance. And I try actually, when I can, to when I'm praying before I begin, like, Lord, give me fresh eyes for what your word is saying. Because I think sometimes, especially if you've been a Christian a long time, or you've been in the church a long time, and maybe you've heard sermons on some of these books and passages, you can easily get your own preconceived idea, even before you start. That's why I like that idea of reading the whole book or passage, whatever you're reading, all in one sitting. And then if you can, read it where you don't have all the chapter breaks and stuff, because it really does bring a different perspective, particularly to the observation, because I think you'll observe things that you perhaps might not have seen before. So what kinds of things am I talking about for observation? What should this look like? So some of the questions are going to be obvious ones, okay? Now, keep in mind, we are observing right now. We're not interpreting yet. We're going to talk about interpretation another time. We are just observing. This is the time where you're asking the questions, where you're trying to get some information, but we're not necessarily looking for meaning and we're not looking for application and actualization yet. We're just doing that observation part. And the great thing about observation is I feel like it's anybody can do this. I can do this. Sometimes when you get to the interpretation and the application actualization, you can get like, uh, okay, I don't know. I don't understand. And so you feel like you need to find more answers. Observation is awesome because this is just where you have to start. You have to start by asking the questions, right? So the good things to know and the good things that you will do a little research on are things like who wrote it. So for example, in Luke, he's a doctor. 
Knowing that Luke is a doctor of that gospel, it kind of explains some of the details that he gives in his gospel account. Some of his pictures, really, the, the way he tells the story in the Garden of Gethsemane, it has a medical flair to it. You can see it. And that's really interesting to me. So you can you want to know who wrote it, because that's going to give you a fuller understanding of how and why maybe that writer wrote it the way that he did. Who it's written to, that's another one. This is important. Think about some of the passages in the Old Testament. You think of Jeremiah 29, 11, and Jeremiah is writing to the Jewish people who had been exiled. And I think they were in their third wave of exile. We, we just recently talked about this, so that study is fresh in my mind. But that matters, knowing who it's written to. So that when we get to those pieces later, when we're looking at some interpretation and application, we're going to have some context because we're going to know who it is written to and how that offers a broader picture. So I'm trying to resist the temptation of going further with that because I don't want to say that just because it's written to, for example, the church in Philippi or the Corinthian church, that's not to say that there won't be application or anything like that for us. Absolutely not. But it still gives you context for what the writer was writing for. But see, I told you, I'm, I'm trying to not get ahead of myself. I don't, we're not talking about interpretation and those things yet. We're just talking about observation. So you want to look at who wrote it. You want to look at who was it written to. Another one is when was it written? When you read Paul's letter to the Philippians, for example, in Colossians, when Paul is addressing the church there in Colossae, they had an issue with Gnosticism. That being the problem that he was addressing then shows for Earth the solution, really, of Christ being supreme. But we started out with what was that problem? And for them, there was there was false doctrine. That was all that kind of stuff. So why the book was written, perhaps they're addressing some kind of issue or something that's going on in the church in the example of Paul's letters. But then that brings you then to what is the main focus or theme? And usually that's going to be stemmed from whatever that problem was. So like that example I just gave you in Colossians, we saw the problem was that the church was confronting issues of false doctrine and Gnosticism and those kinds of things. And then that was then what led into being able to address those issues of Christ is supreme. So why is it written? What is the main focus or theme that was the last one we covered. The next one is just, are there any key words or repetitive words? It could be anything, but just kind of noting, oh, I've seen this word over and over. And even maybe put a little question by that, like, why? Why do we keep seeing this word? Those can be really helpful. Another thing that you want to make note of and observe when you're in the step of Bible study is to note the transition words. You know, this one is one I think that gets overlooked and it can really matter. So things like circling the therefore, likewise, or even terms that are like cause and effect, you know, if this, then this. We saw all kinds of things like that in the Old Testament when they were talking about the covenant relationship or if they were just talking about the people obeying God and if they did this, then this. Those are those are cool. A circle those, observe those, if you do this, then this. Observe those cause and effect statements. But therefore is another one. I mean, you think of therefore, that's a pretty common word, but our pastor likes to always say, if it says therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is the therefore? Look at what came before. 
and that's again why I think it's important to read that whole ch- whole book or passage, wherever you're at, read it all together, because then you those therefores are going to make sense. Whereas if you just start in the in chapter three and it starts the chapter with therefore. You might be tempted to just keep plowing through the verse, but you're going to miss why exactly that there is for. What is it that we're talking about? What is it that's making him say these next pieces? You need to know what came before it. So when I say mark these things, I do mean mark them. Okay, (laughs) I mean to mark them. If you don't like to mark in your Bible, totally good. What if you go and you print it off? print it off on uh, your computer or something so that you can have a big double spaced version and you can write all over that. I really enjoy doing that because you can circle things, you can draw arrows, you can you can really make a really fine mess of it. And I'm a pretty type A kind of like all my notes organized, but I have found that when I print off a passage and, and study it that way, ooh, I don't mind getting messy at all. And I feel like I'm getting more out of it because I am doing some writing and not just letting myself just read over those words. I mean, even to circle those transition words, like I just mentioned, it allows you to then when you glance back at that page and you glance back at that passage you're studying, it reminds you to go back. So the next, when we get to those next steps of interpretation and application and actualization, you're going to notice those things and it's going to help you to interpret what you're seeing. So This observation part is just fun. It's the part where you just get to take the scriptures, you get to make some notes, you get to write questions. If maybe you got a journal and you can just list the questions. Why does he say that? What does this word mean? Now, it's not, again, you can just write the word. We're not really to that interpretation stage. I know that me saying that kind of edged on interpretation, but just even marking things that you're observing. That's all it is. It's just observing. So a thing that I think is really helpful in any Bible study, but particularly because I'm guessing that if you're just reading Philippians, you're not going to go, oh, I know that that was written in whatever year AD. You're probably not going to know that off the top of your head. I think a good study Bible can be really handy. Let me define good. I actually asked some of our pastoral team for some recommendations too on this, but like the Schofield Study Bible, that's a solid one. I have an ESV Study Bible and my Bible that I read uh, every day, that's an ESV and that's the pretty one. I do still write in it, but it's my pretty one and I and I really like that. I'm really careful with all of that. I ordered actually an ESV study Bible and I just, it's just hardcover. It's not pretty. It was 22 bucks on Amazon, but it's a really good study Bible because it's going to give you some introduction notes to the books that you are reading and it's going to fill in some of those gaps. It's going to tell you who the author or who the writer was and it'll tell you if, oh, perhaps we are not certain that of this author or this writer right here. So I think that the good, the reason I emphasize to have a really good study Bible is because you do need to keep in mind, even with these best ones that I'm mentioning, and I'll, I've got a couple more here too, but even with the best ones, remember the notes, none of that is inspired text. So you're focusing on the words of scripture themselves. That's the inspired part. All the other stuff, you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. And even though we have really good evidence when it comes to, you know, dates and things like that, but particularly when they get into any kind of commentary stuff, super helpful. But just keep in mind, it's not necessarily, that is not the inspired text. So you need to just keep that in mind as you're having those as helps, just 
it's a help, but it's not necessarily infallible there. Another Bible that's really good is the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. So that one I just love. That's my ESV is a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. And the thing that's really cool, and when you we get to the interpretation side, the way it does cross-reference stuff is just killer. I love the way it does cross-reference. So those can be really helpful when you get to the interpretation. I'm not going to say anything else about that, but it's really cool. You should check it out. But it also includes in the back of the Bible, it has like a whole analysis of the books. So it's a little different than the study Bible, where the study Bible will have that right at the very beginning of each book. The Thompson chain sticks them in the back. And I think there's a lot of Bibles, actually, that probably do that. They put those notes in the back. But again, can be very helpful to read through those because it can tell you who wrote this. It can tell you where and when and just some of the things that you're not going to get from your general observation. It's helpful. It's helpful to know, you know, like we talked about, is it written to the exiles? You know, when you read the book of Malachi, you're probably not going to know. It was written in 430 BC. Why does that matter? You know, all those types of questions that you can kind of be able to form in this observation stage, but a study Bible can help with that. Another one that's kind of, I'm going to put this a little bit more in the interesting category, because I have found, like I told you, in some of the not inspired commentary. I haven't always agreed with this one. It's the archaeology study Bible. And that could just be the weird archaeology nerd in me, but it's got some cool stuff in there so that you can see some neat pictures or you can see some different even artifacts that they may be found at Colossae or or in Corinth and different things like that. So it, it provides that layer of things that I just think is fascinating about the Bible. So That can be fun, too, on that stuff, too. And again, that still kind of falls within more of the observation side. We're not really getting into the interpretation with those types of tools. A study Bible and any of that commentary, it's like I said, make sure you're doing, you're recognizing that that is not inspired right there. But the other thing I want to note and just kind of warn you about is to make sure you're doing your own observation first, Okay, so it can be super tempting to go to that note section and just read that intro before you even start. I would recommend doing that last. That's why I started this at the beginning with, hey, first when you're going to sit down and do the Bible study, pray. Ask the Lord to show you the things that he has for you in his word. And then the second thing I said to do is if you can read the whole text that you're going to tackle, do it all in one place. But do that part first. Then go back and start doing some of your observation notes. And part of that observation piece is to read perhaps those things that are gonna include notes about where it was written and when and all those things. But they're always going to put in there a little bit more than a data sheet. It's gonna be more than just date, time, place. They have usually quite a bit in those pages that are before in each book in a study Bible, which again, I think are super helpful. But I think sometimes we can get a little lazy on our application and interpretation, particularly on those things. But even on our observation, I have found sometimes that they will say this is a theme of a particular book and they'll, they'll write out what the theme is. But there's been more than once where I'm reading that book and I'm like, huh, I'm not seeing that theme yet. And it could just be because where I'm at in my understanding of the scripture is just not there yet, you know, but I think that that is an okay thing, too. I think that the Lord has so many layers to his word that I think he'll get us to that place that's perhaps maybe is a more mature theme or something that we had not considered before. But he might have other things for us first before we get to, you know, the scholar that's been doing this for 50 years 
it might be different. So my recommendation is just that not to not read those. I think they're great. But I would first do your own observation and really try to press into what the Lord is telling you in his word and and let those things stick out to you. But do that piece on your own first and then go back and read those kinds of notes. And then you're probably going to find when you get to the interpretation side, some of the things that you circled and some of the things that you noted in your observation, it might have some gaps in there for you. But I just want us to remember that those are tools and we don't want to forget that part we talked about at the beginning where when we're praying James 1.5 and we're asking the Spirit to show us, we need to believe he is going to show us those things. I am so overwhelmed by my own intellectual ability, I guess, when it comes to studying scripture. There's always something more there. And so I think it's easy to It could be that you just want to rely on that commentary or whatever it is. If I'm doing that, that's me not taking all of James there at the Lord's word there of where I need to be believing when I ask, because I really do want to ask the spirit to show me and for to have wisdom. So another little observation hint, and this it's going to turn into almost like a confession. This is not something that somebody who studies the Bible should ever admit that they did. But here I go. Often. When I would be starting a new book or whatever, reading my daily reading plan or whatever it is. And it would be the greetings, the greetings at the beginning of the letters. This is the part I'm thinking about. Now, obviously, this is just referring to things in the New Testament. You don't see this stuff in the Old Testament quite as much. But the greetings, I always skipped the greetings. Or if I wasn't skipping them, I was kind of just like just glossing over them. And I don't remember when the Lord kind of hit me with the fact of like, hey, actually, these greetings are part of my inspired word also. But I think it's similar to like when you are thinking about in the Old Testament, and you're reading like a genealogy and you're like, ah, no, nah, I just I, I don't have anything for those names. I can't even pronounce those names. So I'm just going to read those really fast. You'd be amazed by some of the and I've done the microscopic amounts of study, but even the the sermons and the things that I've heard people talk about the genealogies and the things that are in those, wow, there's some rich stuff in genealogies. So it's just a reminder to don't skip those things. So an example of this, when I'm telling you that, you know, my guilty confession here that I have just glazed over greetings far too often, one of the things I compared one time was the two greetings in Timothy. And I want to just read them just to kind of so I can talk out my observation with this. But in First Timothy, this is his greeting. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, don't tell me that you stop listening just for the greeting. Okay, if you did, I would understand because I know I just told you guys half the time I would read the greeting and not be really hearing it. But just looking at that before I even read you the greeting in 2 Timothy, because that's the one that I want to kind of show you. There's a little bit of comparing here. But look what we just found there in observation. Like really, your greeting is where you're going to go and get the answers to some of your observations right off the bat. So we're going to know right here that 1 Timothy, Paul wrote it. He's saying Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. And again, like that, just that statement right there, his title, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. That really is a beautiful line. 
And perhaps when I am reading this and actually really reading the greeting as opposed to me checking out for it, there is some really cool, even the line, Jesus, our hope. Boy, that could be something to circle. Jesus is our hope. I love that it is saying things even in just the greeting about who Jesus is. You just can't glaze over even the greeting. So then I look down in 2 Timothy, and if you look at the greeting there, it's very similar. But there's a couple things that are different. There he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Okay, check. So far, those are exactly the same. Then he says, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. So just to compare and contrast just those two lines, because again, very similar. It's still Paul writing it. He's still writing it to Timothy. But this time, the first time he said, by the command of God. And this time he says, by the will of God. So if I'm in observation stage, I'm probably just going to circle that. And I'm probably going to write a little question to the side and go, huh, why does he say it as a command here and down here by the will? The intent of this podcast is not to go into interpretation and all of those kinds of things. But do you see how observation can kind of whet your curiosity? It can kind of make you go, oh, I do kind of wonder that. Why is it there that there it's by the command of God and then later it's by the will of God? And then again, I love that he ended that line just as before he said, Christ Jesus, our hope. This time he ends that line with to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Just such a gracious word again about this time, the life that is in Christ Jesus, but it's telling us something about Jesus, which I think is cool. It's a greeting guys, but it does things about who Jesus is right there. And then he ends the thing very similarly to the greeting that he just gave. And he said to Timothy, my beloved child. Now before he said, my true child in the faith, but just a really cool endearment there. And then he ends with grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ our Lord. That part is word for word what he said in the last one. So I give you that just to give you a little bit of a example, perhaps, of maybe how my brain would process the observation a little bit. Now, you noted that I'm in this case, I'm doing this as a comparing of two greetings of both in Timothy pretty easy one because, you know, I know that he wrote them both. And so it's kind of a fun one to compare and contrast. But in line with that, I'm going to kind of go into some of the tools and some of these we've already talked about. But one I think that is really cool and really important when you're in this observation stage is if possible, read whatever you're studying in multiple translations. And I've mentioned it before, make sure they're good translations, okay? Don't get into some crazy translations out there, but NIV or King James or New King James or New American Standard or even the New Living Translation. I love that one from a devotional context and I like the way it words things and so I enjoy reading that. But it's interesting to read them and see how they change things. So I was recently doing kind of a deep dive on a particular passage. And one of the tools that I use, like I told you guys, I go to BibleGateway.com and I print off the passage that I'm studying and I make it double spaced and make it big and just print it out on just plain paper. 
But what I did that time when I was doing the study is I actually did a parallel one. So I, on one side, I took the passage and I did it in the ESV. And then on the same piece of paper, it, it allows you to print a parallel one. And I picked a different version. And so then I, I think I did the NIV on the right and I had the ESV on the left. Such a great exercise, especially when you are in the observation stage because it allows you to see why the translators or just different words that the translators may have chosen to interpret differently. And it might give you a little bit more color and context to that word too that they pick. So I have really enjoyed at least two translations, but if you're really going deep, even if you can do a three, I think that would be great. It's interesting to see the things that will pop out at you. Other tools, you know, that we've talked about, just grabbing a journal. And again, I've told you guys this a million times before. It does not have to be the perfect journal. It doesn't even have to be page one. Okay, it has to be paper. And be able to just write out your questions and keep those things with your study. Or write it in your Bible. I am working. So I I think I just got the Bible that I'm in right now. I've had it about a year. So that was a hard transition for me, let me tell you, because I had had my last Bible, I think, for like 15 plus years. It was good to do it. I, I chose to do it because I actually wanted to do a different translation. I really felt like the Lord was asking me to look deeper into his word and look at it a little differently without all of my notes from 15 years ago. So it was good, but it was a hard transition because if you guys are like me and you have a Bible that you've just had forever and it has all your markings, it's really, really hard to switch. But I am enjoying the new one I have and I'm, I'm getting it to the place that it has all my familiar markings and that kind of stuff. But I always so fondly think back to my dad's Bible. And if you were a part of, I did a devoted live. So if you're a a devoted podcast listener at Athey Creek, I do devoted lives where I speak once a month and we only do it. We haven't done it during the summer. We'll pick it back up in September. You could go to the Athey Creek YouTube channel, Athey Creek Women YouTube channel, and you could watch those. But there is one that I did back in, I think it might've been January. Boy, I should have checked that before I came on here. And I got to show a picture of my dad's Bible in that one, because my dad was a serious Bible studier. So he's always kind of my inspiration when I think of really, really good Bible study, because he just, he did it well, but he also did it where there was just personal meaning to them. I think sometimes you can see someone's Bible and you know how when they have like the little notations on the side that you're like, I have no idea what that means. Well, that's because it wasn't meant for you or me to be reading it. It was meant for them and their study and their time with the Lord. And my dad's Bible is just marked to the nth degree. So colors and all kinds of things, the colors mean things. And so I've actually adopted that thing, that method from my dad too. So my colors mean things in my Bible and I I love stuff like that. So, but finding that kind of system that helps you to do that, but With this idea of observation, remember this part should be more of what catches you. Don't get yourself stuck into like, what's the right or wrong answer? Should I know that? Should I not know that? doesn't matter. If you don't, that's great because it will be so 
fun when you circle that, you write that word on the side that you're like, I have no idea what that means. And then later when we get to interpretation, you're just going to see how much that passage just absolutely, the Lord can just use that in such a way that maybe you wouldn't have if you had just been reading through it at the speed I was reading the greetings before. Really stop looking at every word and why is it there? These are good questions to ask, and it's just really helpful on this observation side. So that's observation. Okay, that's kind of a lot, but it's a really great one to do because it, like I said, it's not the super complex one. You get to answer yourself all kinds of questions, but don't forget, why are we doing this at all? Why do we want to study God's word? We're learning who God is. And as we get into the other ones where we get to talk about interpretation and the application and the actualization side, we're going to see more and more who God is. But it starts with just observing what's there in the text. And this is a really crazy day. And there's all kinds of books out there that you guys might want to read. Some are good. Some are not good. But this one, this book, the Bible that you have in your hand, the Bible that you have on your shelf it is never going to let you down. So I hope this is helpful because I want you guys to start taking this Bible study piece. And remember the word, that keyword is just start. Does not have to be perfect. You're going to hear me say that probably over and over and over. Just start. You're not graded. Just do it. Just do it. Praying that, ja- that verse in James and asking the Lord to give you wisdom as you study his scriptures. Okay, so that's observation. In future podcasts, we're going to look at interpretation and then the application and actualization side. That will be really fun, too. Until then, hey, pick a book, pick a passage. We just finished up a study on Psalm 23. That's not even very long. Pick anything and start doing some observation on it and just see what how see how that goes for you. See what how the Lord uses that to help you to know his word better. So thanks for joining us on The Devoted Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at avcreek.com.